When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. What is up? Welcome to another very special episode of On the Corner. We are super excited today to have a very special guest. He's the fashion mogul that founded Print Loyal. He's the media mogul that hosts May Contain Pod. He's the Twitch star who you can find at twitch.com backslash I am Trevor May. Oh, yeah. And he also happens to throw one of the best four-seamers in baseball coming out of the bullpen for the Twins. Future 99 (laughs) in MLB The Show, Trevor May. Trevor, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. No problem. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, it is a little ridiculous that what what, what were you ranked like a, in the high seventies or low eighties in the show or something? Seventy nine. I was a seventy eight last year going in the year, so I was like, there hmm. you go. All right, not so bad. I mean, at least you're I mean, not Amir Garrett sub seventies for some reason. Is he still sub seventies? Yeah. Right now. Yes, he's like sixty eight uh, or something like that. It's just yeah. wrong. It's just wrong. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, really, we appreciate this a lot. Um, it's a crazy time right now. Uh, and we actually, you know, it, it's very interesting. We haven't heard so much from the players about this. Uh, I remember Jason Kipnis sending out a tweet just about the chaos that ensued as they started suspending the season. And I was really curious just to hear from your perspective what that was like, you know, two weeks ago before the season was suspended. But then, of course, that Wednesday hit Rudy Gobert. I had Corona and everything just kind of accelerated. What was it like for you? Was it sudden? Was it, um, you know, was it a a slow grind? What was it like? Yeah, it was, it was sudden. Uh, all, uh, my family was visiting and, uh, it was the last night we were together. So we all went out to dinner and we saw as we were leaving, it popped up on my phone that the NBA season had been suspended. I was like, well, I mean, there's a good chance everyone's going to follow them because there's no way that everyone else just continues and NBA just stops. There's no way. So um, we had an idea, and then in the morning I woke up, and we had a night game that night, the next day. And so morning I wound up, and I I was going to stream, and I decided not to because of all the news and stuff. And and then then I decided to stream anyway, so I went for about two hours. And during (laughs) the stream, like, the the NHL suspended it, and and, – you know the the conference tournaments that were happening were all canceled, and I was like, oh, okay, like there's mm-hmm. this going to happen probably tonight. We went in, and they were just like, yeah, we're no game tonight. We're calling it for now, and we'll meet again um, uh, in a couple days to see what we're going to do. And then that Saturday came, and they're like, yo, everyone go home. Like they were like, we want everyone right. to leave. That's, that's and absurd. so we had to figure out where we we're going to go. And they were like, you, you want to go home to Seattle Ground Zero? And I was like, no. And, <laughs> and uh, and then so like, all right, well, we're going to get a charter flight up to Minnesota. So I was like, you know what? I, I'd rather work out in our city. Sure. And so like when this thing gets going again, you know, it, it cross your fingers, if that is um, that I'll be here and like I could just, you know, when spring training starts or whatever it is they want to do, play here for a week or I don't know. It could be anything. So um, but if we go if we go down, I'll be with the team already. I'll just fly with like I, I want to book any flights, fly domestic at all. I can just go with the front office wherever they go so now now with i remember the yankees they were talking a lot i think it was from zach Brin that we saw that unanimously the team elected to stay 
and work out as a team before eventually this thing started blowing up a lot more and then we realized that's just not an option you can't do that was there any sort of pressure from the team or any sort of uh did it feel like right away like okay this is a massive issue and we're gonna have to do this or did it feel that you know a requirement to continue as normal just without playing games um at first yeah but when they made that i made that that kind of declaration it was a it was a uh friday so it was that Mm -hmm. friday they said that and that's the day we had off to us so like the next day we knew that it wasn't an option at that point, but I'm going to be honest. We would have just been like, no, like it doesn't, we don't need to all stay here. Like right, we just, yeah. you know, like there's no reason to, to act like that or, or like to, to make that kind of that, that stand or anything against it. Because if it's not going to happen anytime soon, there's nowhere to play. There's no point. Yeah. Especially mm-hmm. if we play till December, like, you know, maybe we shouldn't be going hard right now yep. because yeah. we gotta, in eight months, we're going to still be playing baseball. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I think Nick and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, too, about like what's, you know, it's awesome that this does give some guys a, a little more time to heal. But it, it, is there any concern from from you guys? Like, yeah, but we also have to sort of ramp up again, which also increases the chance of injury again. A little bit. I think that I, I think that everyone thinks spring training is way too long anyways. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll probably get a rude awakening when we're all really rusty in like the first couple weeks of the season. But it is what it is like. Yeah. We we need to start. We need to play. I mean, a lot of guys are worried about their live. Like just like everybody else in the world is worried about their their livelihoods. And you know, me, I'm supposed to be a free agent after this year. What what happens if we don't play? You know, right, do I have right, another, right. another year of control where I'm a year older? Like that doesn't sound good. So, yeah. um, all those yeah. things are things that we think about. Yeah, of course. I mean, well, you know, first and foremost, though, we're glad you're healthy. We're glad that, you know, hopefully everyone in your family is is doing well. Um, so, you know, that's the most important thing. So we're, we're at least happy to hear that. Um, I, do, I want to transition into, into baseball a little bit because I'm sure you probably talked about uh, coronavirus stuff a bunch. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, you, you talk you um, starting off a batter. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like you're either going fastball and OO counts, or your your curveball usage and OO counts is actually top 40 among relievers. Are are you saving that that breaking pitch for more aggressive guys, or are you just trying to keep guys on their toes? What are you thinking in these OO counts when you come into a game? Keeping guys on their toes is mo- more the idea. Usually, I know if a guy's hyper aggressive because of the da- because of part part of the data I look at is is, is uh, shows that um, mm-hmm. and it's pretty obvious if, if hitting a first pitch breaking ball is a strength and pretty much nobody has that strength uh, because why would you, if you're good at that, you're probably not good at hitting heaters. <laughs> so, so uh, which is not good. You're probably not in the major leagues if you're not good at hitting a fastball. So, um, so yeah, you, vast majority of the time um, guys just don't want to hit a breaking pitch first pitch. Like they just don't. Right. Um, and, and you can get a, you're confident throwing it for a strike. You can do that. But, um, you know, I haven't thrown up. I don't think I've thrown many sliders for strikes first pitch, as opposed to to curveballs, which sliders become the higher usage pitch now, um, as of like the last half season or so. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We were noticing that, and uh, also with that curveball too, it became I think more of that first pitch oh curveball, and then you'd go to the slider deeper in counts because I mean, forty five percent zone rate on that curveball last year. It was under thirty five percent in two thousand eighteen, and and two thousand sixteen as well. I should say. Um, so it's cool to see that transformation for you. Like, okay, I have this curveball. I confidently throw that for a strike. And now you have this fastball as your, is this major swing strike rate pitch. Uh, 
when I made that that uh, compilation of all your strikeouts, I just remember remarking how many of them were four seamers. It mm. was, you know, I, I watched that video and all I hear is the pop of the glove every single time because it's just just fastballs going by. Guys are just getting taken. And is that kind of the process too? Is if I'm throwing that curveball early and that slider early, because the slider really isn't that major swing strike rate pitch. Are you saving a lot of times in these at bats for that four seamer deep in counts? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, that's that's definitely something I'm confident in getting swings and misses on. It's just a, it's 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 naturally as a hitter, and I don't think it's even going to change as they they see that as a mi- or as a as a mistake, mm-hmm. um, and it's not. Um, and it's just really hard to catch up to whether or not you're on it or not. There's only a few guys with kind of that kind of that high flat swing that can get to it. Josh Donaldson's one of them. I can never get a I can never get a fastball up by him. It's the first person um, I thought of. Mm. He he is it's one amazing. of the better guys doing it. But but again, the the flip side of that is depth. Um, guys who are who don't throw as hard and are not not uh, afraid to just just give him like sinkers and then change ups with, with downward movement and breaking balls with downward movement. He struggles with those guys. Um, mm-hmm. And and if there was a guy that he struggles with, that's kind of it. That's just not my MO. Like it's just not things I do. Now my slider has a lot of uh, vertical break, but my my curveball has more, and I'm I'm not throwing it as much because I actually learned the slider halfway through the year last mm. year, mm. and the the movement on it, the velocity is about the same, and the movement changed dramatically um, to vertical depth, and then the curveball and the slider started to merge together, and so the curveball was getting less break, get a little bit harder, and then it was getting hit really hard. Mm-hmm. So we kind of made the slider fit kind of both roles, just because it's. I've always been under the impression for some reason that I needed five pitches because mm. I was a starter and I was confident in five pitches and losing pitches was like giving in or something. But I just don't throw enough pitches in a game to throw five pitches. Like I don't need sure, a, yeah. or a curveball um, if the slider functions the same way. So the slider is – basically I learned a, a harder curveball grip. I throw my curveball harder now. Right. So um, do you – like how – I mean we've talked to a, a good amount of starting pitchers and it seems like you know they, they have their bullpen days uh, and then they can try and see how they're going to execute in-game. What's that process like for you? I mean you talk about learning that slider halfway through the season. Uh, are you like just rigorously throwing it in bullpens and just kind of like waiting until you, you get your opportunity? Is there any anxiety about like, all right, what's this going to actually look like in a game? Um, I would say yes if uh, we didn't have a phenomenal analytics department, which was telling me exactly what it looks like, um, mm-hmm. and how guys would, how guys around the league have reacted to similar ball breaking balls. Um, and basically, they said you have that's measurement wise. If you throw that consistently, uh, it's like a top three in vertical break on sliders that hard, and mm-hmm. it uh, has no horizontal break. But I I don't throw anything that sweeps. Never have. Um, and it's just not kind of the way that my anatomy lets me. But, um, you know, they were excited. They said that could be it could be an elite pitch if you get really comfortable with it. So um, towards the end of the year, I started to get more swings and misses on it and more guys chasing it below the zone, which I was getting none of that before mm-hmm. because I was in my mind growing up. I always thought a slider was like something that moved over the plate, then off the plate away. Sure. Away right. From somebody or down and into somebody. Um and so I just call it a slider, but it moves like a curveball, just much, much, much harder. Sure. Um, well, first of all, by the way, I love that you explained why Josh Donaldson signed with the Twins. It's because he doesn't have to deal with you now. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, because yeah, I think he's five for six with four doubles. Yeah, he was really struggling. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, so uh, I, I, 
so I remember, of course, you were traded uh, from the Phillies. You uh, you were drafted by them and then traded um, with Vance Worley, uh, I believe, for Ben Revere. Um, yeah. Back in, a, was it 2011, 2012? 2012. 2012, 2013. Right, yeah. okay. So uh, a couple questions about that. Um, first of all, what's it like being traded? I mean, is it, was it, were you excited about it? I mean, the Phils were kind of, were still competitive a bit. The Twins maybe were involved there a little bit. Did you feel excitement going or was it more of a, oh no, why would they trade me kind of feeling? It's bittersweet. I mean, you don't want a team to like be okay with getting rid of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that feeling is hard to kind of come grips with. But to be honest, I've been with the Phillies um, for that would have been my five, fifth year. Um, and I'd seen, or that'd be my fourth year. I'd seen basically all of my teammates be traded. Like everyone I ever played with. Right. Um, they had major trades, Roy Oswald and Hunter Pence and mm. uh, Cliff Lee and Roy Halliday. And all these guys were traded for. And they were all buddies of mine that I lived with. And so I was like, we just trade people is what we do. <laughs> we right, trade people right, for right, major sure. leaguers that are, that are all stars. Sure. Uh, and so I'd missed a, like five trades. And then I had a little bit of a down year in 2012. I'm like, all right, it's my turn. I'm on the chopping block. So, <laughs> and then it happened. And then they traded me for, for Revere. And I was like, well, um, Another team wants me as a starting pitcher, and and I looked at kind of what they had the big leagues, and they just had you know they weren't paying anybody, no one had any long term contracts, and so I was like, well, there's an opportunity to go to go up and be there, and cracking the, in the Phillies might be harder, so try to take advantage of that, and it, it worked out pretty good, I think. And was there? Yeah. Um, and you talked about the Twins analytics being really you know, top of the line, essentially. Uh, did you see something different going from the Phillies to the Twins? Did they instantly bring you in and? show you kind of a different world no, not in 2012 no <laughs> <laughs> fair enough <laughs> this this, re- this renaissance happened in uh 17 okay mm-hmm. so um yeah they were definitely much much more traditional when i came over um so so with that explain i mean you're saying 2017 and that's when you were uh, i believe down with tommy john um at that time yep. if i remember correctly so you you came back and you performed much better since uh, you know, 320 ERA 2018, 2019, 294. And would you say that has to do with either just feeling healthy finally because you got t- Tommy John, or is it also the fact that the Twins are saying what to do a lot better? Uh, both. Um, feeling healthy is good. I mean, even 2016, I was back. I battled a back issue from the first day of the season. Um, I went on the deal three times for it. The same thing before we figured out what was wrong. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my head, it's like I had like a 5-3 or so. It was just a wash. I still struck out a bunch of guys, and when I felt good, I felt good. But right. uh, it was only for a couple of weeks of that season that I actually feel really good. So um, I, I was starting to come into something in 15, at the end of 15 as a reliever, um, you know, really buying into to, to elevating fastballs. My velocity had, had raised a lot at, towards the end of the year. Yeah. Um, but, of course, my body didn't know how to handle that because of – it was just I was just doing different things in my mechanics, and so my back issue flared up. But since then, um, I've really bought into. They basically were like, "Here's where you're most successful. Fastballs up. Here's what carry is. Here's all the stuff. Here's the data we have on your pitches." And it made a lot of sense for my career up to that point. As a minor leaguer, I struck out tons of guys and I throw a ball up. But everyone was telling me that throwing the ball up wasn't going to get me strikes, and guys had to swing at it. And mm. now there's strikes up there. So. Um, I was on the right track. I just was always trying to throw down in the way and throwing it right down the middle and giving up home runs. I gave up a lot of home runs in the minors too, but if I had thrown up the whole time, I would have been much better off, I think. That's that's interesting to hear you say too, because I like I, I want people who are listening to realize like we, we talked about how, how, how good your fastball was. It really wasn't just 
good. I mean, this is a a top three fastball in baseball as a reliever. I mean, by by many metrics, this is better than Liam Hendricks. This is better than Josh Hader. This is better than Emilio Pagan. This is better than Brandon Kinsler and Hansel Robles and like a, a bunch of guys. So, but what I'm kind of hearing you say though is like you were when things clicked for you, you were kind of already capable of doing those things, right? Like you, you, it seems like you in 2018 and 2019 elevated it a bunch more. So am I correct in hearing that it wasn't necessarily a mechanical tweak? You were always able to do that. It was more now this is the thing to do. Yeah, it was, it was more of a mental shift into like, this is what I'm trying to do instead of it being an accident. So a lot of pitching is, is, um, changing what you, how you see success um, a lot of people get into slumps when they see success is only literally like balls or uh, ball strikes and runs. Sure. Um, but you have to like see the execution of your game plan as your success and execution of your pitches as you intend them to be as success. And so I changed what that was. I mean, down and away wasn't working, and data showed us that. As soon as I said data shows that, I was like, okay, it was that easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, we love that. Yeah, so as long as they tell me, like, as long as I can look at some numbers and find some trends, and that, again, shying away from the curveball, it was like it was getting hammered last year. Yeah. Nothing else was. So I was like, stop throwing the pitch that's getting hammered. Right. And then, then everything came together. It was crazy. So, right. um, and it was just a pitch that was always my breaking pitch. So I had to, making the shift from a breaking, one breaking pitch to another breaking pitch as taking over that role, that's harder because that's like a major philosophy shift in how you're trying to pitch. So that just took more time, but we were always buy, trying to buy into that. And I was mm-hmm. working with Wes, uh, Wes Johnson, our pitching coach, and, and and Jeremy Hefner, who's now the pitching coach for the Mets, was our bullpen coach. And me and him were just bouncing stuff off each other all the time. I think I'm going to throw the slider more. I think I'm going to go. I've always had feel for a changeup. I've always had a good changeup that's not hit hard. The XOV lows are always very low on it. Always has been. I don't think I can't remember giving up a homer on a changeup yet in my career. I don't know if I have. I might have done it once, and I'm not thinking of. But no, that's a lie. Jed Lowry, deep ones. Jed Lowry, yeah, it was. I don't like to talk about that day. Uh, well, well, you've given up apparently. You've given up five, is what I have. None since none since twenty sixteen. Yeah. None since twenty sixteen. So that's why I'm not really even. I mean, I wouldn't play the team, but I haven't. <laughs> as a reliever, <laughs> as the reliever that I am, I haven't in a long time, just because the fastball plays the way it does. Right. It makes the change up that much better. So like we talk about, like I have feel for it. I can throw it in the zone. Like mm-hmm. we just need to throw strikes. So let's go with that. So that's the kind of thing that it happens, and then I've built out um, the de- like pregame, pre-series data that I'm looking at teams like that fits into what my strengths are, and I see how they react to things that I do um, comfortably and consistently, and I make decisions based off that. Based so, on that, and there's very few guys that don't have anything that I can match up well with. Josh no. Nelson's one. Now, you're talking about the pregame metrics and before you were saying, okay, this guy isn't aggressive. That's a major thing that I look at. We're very curious kind of what you do focus on when it comes to matching up against potential hitters that day. Uh, when we talked to Tyon, first of all, he also mentioned the same thing about down and away fastballs. It's really cool to hear you say exactly the same thing. Um, but uh, he also mentioned that for half of the, the lineup, he wasn't really terrified about. You know, those are the yeah. guys like I think I can just get them out. It's okay, but really focusing on the meat of the order and saying, okay, if I happen to go against those guys, I have to have a certain plan of attack. It, it, what kind of conversations do you have pregame for the for the lineup? I uh, I think the same way, but to be honest, I'm a little bit more. I'm not going to underestimate anybody, and I'm not going to go into um, like 
there's a lot of young guys that like have the one one or two pitches that they can really crush and mm. then the rest is kind of like unproven or or they got nothing so i gotta know all that on everybody like i'm not gonna go up and give the rookie a two-run homer because i was like just trying to throw whatever i was throwing just because he hits heaters up well guy hits heaters up well only and doesn't hit heaters anywhere else but up well and that's all he hits then i might just throw the ball down because i have that kind of fastball that doesn't mean if i throw down it's always going to be hit hard because this guy cannot hit it down for some reason so that happens very rarely. Uh, I might stick with a breaking ball um, if a guy can't hit stuff down. But the things I look at, I, I kind of separate it this way. Early count, mid count, and then how where can I go for a strikeout? Strikeouts are a big part of my career, part of my life, part of who I am as a pitcher. And they're the, they're the zero-sum um, outcome in baseball. So the more strikeouts you get, just the better you are as a reliever. Like It's just the way yeah. it is. You can be relied on heavily to go get guys out of innings come in late in innings with base loaded and get out of the inning. If you're a sinker ball guy, one of those guys might bleed through and score two runs. So uh, I know that, yeah, I'm probably more likely to give up a home or two, but those happen so rarely that the strikeouts are worth it. So I'll look at early in counts. Where can I get strikes? Um, Where do they not? Usually they're telling you where they want the ball if they're swinging at it first pitch. So if it's really, really hot up and in to a righty, Mm -hmm. they probably want to hit a pitch up and in the hole at bat. Right, Uh, yeah. So that that like um, I'll give you an example. J.D. Martinez is a guy who likes to he keeps he's really good at keeping his hands in on the inner half of the plate and taking that ball opposite field. And he's so strong. He's that's why he's really good is because when big guys like that, you need to be able to get in and jam him and you can't jam him. Sure. So like uh, uh, prime time Mickey Cabrera and even how he's looking in spring, like you just couldn't beat him in. Yeah. And you have to be able to beat guys like that in or. Or you can't just push them away because they'll just reach out there and they're so strong. So it's actually it's so funny to hear you say that because earlier today I made uh, I'm doing this like this tournament that's like all of the three pitch strikeouts in baseball because I think it's fun to see the sequencing and who struck out guys in three pitches. So I did a little um, had people vote on which they thought was better and one of them for you was this one to DJ LeMayhew and the first thing you do is go high and tight with that with that fastball at 94 and then he's definitely looking for that again because you back that up with the 74 four mile an hour curveball that he just looks completely silly i mean he just looks ridiculous and then you finish him off with 94 away so it's actually really cool to see that like perfectly executed do you remember yeah, that one at all i do remember it It was at their place and it was in a or is it like april or may it was freezing yeah. Um, yes. and yeah i completely pulled the pulled the fastball we were trying to go well we were trying to go up like i wasn't trying to go up and in but i was trying to go up and i kind of just pulled it but it, like it was it just stayed over the plate and uh frozen there but he was after the swing on the curveball, he was just thinking probably curveball buried mm-hmm. because he's a good hitter. He's I played against him in the minors and when he was with the Cubs in high A. He's just always been a really, really good hitter. I mean, I think a batting title speaks for that. But yeah, um, but he's another dude inside out. Like, guys, you don't – everyone's like, he goes oppo a lot, so throw him in. No, he, in, he takes oppo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the pitch he hits in. Uh, another right. guy and another guy who does that, uh, um, Howie Kendrick, same thing. And what were their batting averages last year? Like three twenty, both of them like three twenty. Yeah. So, so like it's it's if you look at their how they're everything they hit hard and where the exit velocities are all their pitches, they hit stuff on the inner half harder. Um, And that just means they're really good hitters. So that means there's probably no hole. So that doesn't mean they can't hit away. That just means they can hit in for sure. Right. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, 
so then if I move through, so I pick I pick a pitch like if guys are hyper aggressive on breaking balls, you know some guys like just chase the breaking ball everywhere first pitch. So you just bear, try to bury one because you know they're hyper aggressive and they never walk, um, things like that. And then the mid count, that's where kind of the juice go goes. So I want to know, like I just said, I want to know where where it is when they hit fastballs. Where are those located and how when they hit the fastballs the hardest? Where mm-hmm. are they located? So guys have usually a swing path, and usually it's along that swing path. I mean, I'm uh, sure I'm sure people are familiar with a lot of your work because you know of your Twitch streams, and you're 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 very vocal about this stuff, which is great because people want to learn about it. But for anyone listening for the first time, I'm sure they're going to love to hear your your relationship with analytics. I mean, yeah. it, it is really cool to hear that because not everyone feels that way. So I know you know I I I, I love to hear it. At least I'm sure Nick oh, likes to hear it. Yes, yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, you you have uh, I want to take a, sh- a shift to a second to talk more about like the mental aspect of the game because Nick and I feel it's something that isn't as discussed as frequently right yeah. um, and you have such a unique job in that a you don't know if you're working that day even though you're going to show up to the office obviously and b you don't even know when you're going to be working that day now I know you game plan by looking at a bunch of analytics as you said and you've got a fantastic analytics team that i'm sure you're in constant communication with but can you talk us through that process what's that like mentally i mean i'm sure that's draining the 120th 130th game in the year right it's very very much very very draining uh you wake up so sergio romo on our with us is you know obviously three-time world champion and has been doing this for a very long time that dude gets it more anxious than any person I've ever seen before mm-hmm. the game starts. So where he's a very, very vocal guy, and I, I don't think that he'll be mad at me for telling you guys this, but he's just he's he's just bubbly and like you know a lot of energy. And then as soon as he gets to the point where we're, we're like we he knows he might be in the next six outs, he just goes literally silent, sitting in a chair, just like picking on his fingernails and just like just like locking it. Like it's mm. crazy, it's crazy the shift. And then I see. I was noticing last year, just when I noticed that about him, how everyone else has their own little thing. Tyler Duffy can't sit still. He's got to walk around. So he's just always walking, talking. <laughs> and same with me. I have to get up. Like, I can't sit for too long because I mm-hmm. actually get physically stiff. And that gives me anxiety when I'm stiff. So I'm like, I walk and get up and go to the bathroom a lot when I even don't even have to go, just so I have to walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so – the, but everyone says it, says it this way. I think that I I said this in a group, and they were like, "Yes, it's exactly what happens." We wake up the moment we wake up. Everything we do is 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 pointed towards that outing tonight. Yeah. So, from food to how did we sleep to okay, am, uh, can I stream today or have I pitched two days in a row? So I probably won't stream tonight. Yeah, or, or pitch tonight so I can stream today. So I won't waste any energy on it. Or do I have time to get a nap in before I go to the field? Things like that. Uh, and I sleep track and all that stuff, so I know kind of how I slept that night, so I can make those decisions. But, and then you get to the game, and like the first couple innings, a couple of us stay in, like me and Raj and and Duffy and um, Serge, kind of are inside for like the first two or three innings, and then we go out. And as soon as we go out, it's just it's taken up, doubled, and then six, five, fifth, sixth, seventh inning, see the pitch pit, or starters at eighty pitches. And it used to be starters at 95 or 100. We're like, all right, we got to go. Now it's like starters like 72. Yeah. We're like, yeah, right. got to sure. start. Me and Duffy are like double or like double barreling in the fifth, even if the guy's cruising, just because we know, like, we know that any moment we could be one of us. And so it, and then you get past the point you might pitch. 
like for example, if guy like Jose throws seven innings and then Serge is going to go out and throw eight, and then Rod's going to throw the set nine. Right, right, it's, right. You can't fully just in case the game gets tied or something, and then sure. you're Duffy. So like you can't fully like uh, like the only time you can ever do that is if you're way way ahead, and that we're not in those roles right now. We got young guys, or we're behind, and those don't like we won 101 games. That just didn't happen a lot. So. Um, it's the tough ones when you're in the you know in those mid eighty something wins and you win every game by like a run or two every time. Those are the days that that are the the, the hardest because you got to be ready every single day. And then so by the end of the year, you're like, okay. I'm 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 good. I'm out. Yeah. But that that actually brings up my, my next question, which is actually really fascinating to hear you say this because you never know what's going to happen. But then you're saying, okay, well maybe if it's a close game, it's the eighth or the ninth. Maybe we know who's going in. But now reliever utilizations changing right like closer roles are more fluid more guys picked up a save last year than ever before in league history so i'm sure that's not helping the situation right is that just kind of adding to the anxiety or like what what is the as reliever utilization is changing how is that changing the mentality in bullpens um it's it's not as much because we still kind of we're never surprised when guys are going in, but we're still kind of in our roles. Um, yeah. There was a lot of teams that like didn't have closers. Yeah, like the Mariners just like didn't have a closer like right. all year. So they had like fifteen different guys get saves. <laughs> so that that's gonna inflate that number a little bit. Us is a little different. I got a couple, um, and we were using two guys, Blake Parker and Raj, for like mm-hmm. a long. So, yep. um, and for matchups, I think we're, and I think we realized that quick that we, it was like being a little bit over, over thunk, uh, thought a little bit there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Rod's very, became very clear that Raj wasn't just a lefty fa- guy. Sure. Like get everybody out. And so, um, and so then we, we adjusted accordingly, but, uh, yeah, I think that changes it a little bit. There was one time last year where, uh, I knew Rogers was down, but I didn't know that Sergio was down and, and Dyson had just like told them that he was hurt, but he didn't tell, like, we didn't know that he was down. Like we didn't know he was done. Right. Good done pitching. So like those three guys were kind of ahead of Roger or Duff and I in the, in the pecking order, um, when it come to getting, getting saves or whatever. So, uh, someone threw six or seven innings and went strong. And I was like, Oh, it's going to be surge and surge. And then, then Dyson or Di- surge will throw two or something. And we they go Duffy got the eighth and he's like oh, okay. I'm like okay that'll be search like there we go and then uh, phone rings and they're like all right May you got the sa- the ninth and I was like I just looked over and then Serge is laughing at me <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh yeah dude by the way I'm down I was like what? <laughs> so I got completely like I I had checked out I had been like yo I'm done because we were up four to one and we I think we we're playing Kansas City so we we're like, you know we were like. We probably got this. We, you know, it's just gonna be a right, normal right. day at the park. And I had to go out, like I had to go try to turn it on. I, I was like, oh sh- Jesus. So, and that went really well. I think I punched out the side. So we got it. We we got the save, but it was uh, it was the. I hate that. I hate getting caught off guard. Um, right. And so I pride myself in being ready all the time. But yeah, I, I it, it's changed a little bit. But I'm a big believer in roles and and how like I I want to know exactly when what my group of kind of situations will be and mm-hmm. so i can just i can just i can just crush it and be laser focused on that i'm not and i didn't 
I wasn't a huge fan of like the throw it out and then go out and throw another out. Like yeah. that wasn't. I, I did it, and I liked it en- enough. I like pitching, but I was like, give me that one, two, three inning. Like, yeah, yeah. Everyone, so, everyone wants just six, and then we go to seven, eight, nine, and the game's over. Like that's right. Yeah, that's what you did. By the way, I, I know I'm going to let Nick talk. I keep cutting him off, but you. <laughs> You struck out O'Hearn, Merrifield, and Mondesi back to back to back. You struck out the the competition for that gift thing was between the one against LeMahieu and the one against O'Hearn. The O'Hearn at bat was three pitches, 87 mile an hour changeup, up, 87 mile an hour changeup, up, and then 97 just up in his kitchen, and he had no chance against it. It's gorgeous. That's wonderful. Changeups up, they're underrated. Yeah, right. Yes. It, I mean, it's 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 something you don't like teach often. You know, every single time you do a changeup in a pen, it's always down and away, down and away. And Unfortunately, I have uh, I have an, an a very very high spin efficiency on my changeup, so getting downward movement on it it's very hard for me. But hmm. I have crazy carry on a slower changeup, so I actually get a lot of that kind of like really bad swing on a like pop it up or just like swung through up the same way that I do. They swing under it like they swing under my fastball. It's yeah, it's, it's wild. So like them being ten miles an hour different is is t- like it's. It's, but it's hard to like in your brain be like change up up. So I'm just more like change up away, and then let it kind of right if it if goes, it goes up, up and away. Happens. Yeah, it's okay. But that's the same way with the fastball. I'm like kind of away, away, and then I'm like let it ride up and away. So and so on that does. topic, kind of. Um, so fast and I we uh, we hosted we like broadcasted essentially the uh, the game the first game you guys had against the Yankees in the ALDS, and something that we were fascinated by was Mitch Garver um, against Odorizzi, now, or with Odorizzi. Now, Odorizzi, obviously, huge paint the top of the zone red in just four-seamers. Yeah. However, every single pitch, Mitch Garver is set up where he's just down and away with that glove, and then would just always sail up. And, I mean, for you, uh, my understanding is that this is not what you would request, um, but have you seen something like that before? Is that, do you know that's kind of the, like, the... What the twins want to do? So okay, out of Rizzi for you, you don't really like hitting the spot. You want to just let it naturally right up. Uh, is that what was going on there? Yeah, I'm the same way. So I tell them not to don't give me high signals because I'm going to throw it above that. Mm-hmm. So the higher you go, the more I'm going to sail it up. And it's like it's how we've we Odo's the same way. He's, he was told that like heaters down and away were better, and and so he has shifted his focus on like when the catcher is adjusting the top of the zone i'm throwing where i need to throw it um right. and i i've made that connection to that and then it allows uh garv to call breaking balls and then say there too right. so like the problem is in the minors a lot of guys don't think about this and some of the minor leaguers in, in big league camp were doing it with us they were giving us heaters up and i was like everyone can see it so mm. when you give a high target it's only a fastball now you're telling them it's a fastball yeah uh, and in the major leagues, they're going to be like, it's a fastball. Be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, we can't give stuff away like that anyway. So, like, sometimes guys set up in and then they move to the outside or whatever. Right. Uh, but but we've told Garvin, and it, to be honest, it's more comfortable for him to, like, we, we're all on the, like, hey, save energy and, like, you know, it's hard as hell to play baseball this much. So, like, the twins are, like, Rocco is like, everything we do is like, how, but how can we get some rest? Like, how can we do oh, as wow. little as possible to make sure everyone's ready for the game? So I go, Garve, like, you're not comfortable, like, sitting higher up in your stance, like, all the time. It's, like, more tiring. You just want to sit down lower. And, like, you sit with a leg out. It's fine. I just need to not throw any wild pitches. Like, like we yeah. 
I it's just it's something that you don't need to waste this inordinate en- energy. That's something that doesn't happen very often. So that's kind of what we do. We just say set up, okay, stay down, so every pitch looks the same. And then umpires are being trained now to see it, it like not make as many. They don't like the whole. They don't like being fooled by by receiving either. They mm, hate it. So sure, they're trying to stay within the. Oh, that's a strike because that's a strike, not because you showed me it was a strike because it's actually yeah. a strike. So sure. now they're given the high strike because like I know that's a strike now because that's what we're trained to do now. And so him adjusting up and like kind of catching it up there is kind of right in their face, and they're they're making that mm-hmm. call more often too. So it's working out in our our in our um, favor a little bit more. But again, those. You hit a hit one of those pitches. T- more often than not, they're hit harder than other pitches down. So, yeah, it's uh, trade off. So, I mean, first of all, the umpires they'll just be replaced in three years, whatever. Who cares? <laughs> but I uh, no, the uh, I hope not. <laughs> fair enough. Um, the uh, so there's a lot of talk also with uh, the catching coach coming from Minnesota to the Yankees with Gary Sanchez and having that one knee down, as we kind of saw a lot with Garver. And even you're talking about that. There's one thing that also comes with it. Is the uh, is the glove always staying down coming up? Um, I remember seeing this with Wilson Contreras and you Darvish a bit, and I always wondered if. I mean, I, I used to pitch in college, and I remember every single time I wanted my catcher to give me a big, huge target. It was so important to me to look at it all the way through to uh, through the zone or as or through the windup, and seeing that glove fall down for me personally was a distraction. And I know a couple of my colleagues is the same way. Do you feel that way? I mean, it sounds like to me that you're just like, no, no, I know where it's going to go. I, I, You can do whatever you want with your glove. But I'm kind of curious to hear your opinion on that. It's just how he catches it that I care about. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, all the movement before, that's just – that takes experience. And, uh, and yeah, you that doesn't bother me at all because, to be honest, I'm not – I have picked the spot in my head and where mm-hmm. he gives me the target doesn't matter. So, like, we could be off – that way, if we're not on the same page as the new person – that isn't like set up on the corner or set up on the half or, you know, and, and gives me a different vi- visual. I still know where I want the ball to go. And that's more important to me because we're going to have different guys like, like Williams has to do. doesn't catch very much. So getting him rarely. Um, and he's uh, definitely smaller and definitely lower and, and definitely catches differently than those guys. Uh, you can't let this stuff affect you anyway. So um, yeah, but it's just about like, does he catch it cleanly? Yeah. yeah. I feel like, it's like when you're catching, playing catch with someone who's not really experienced in, yeah. in baseball, whatever, and they're and and it just kind of bothers you how they catch it all the time because it makes you feel like your ball's moving in a weird way, but it's not. They're just right. bad at catching. It's that same thing. So as long as the catch is a good receiver, that's all we care about. They can literally like wiggle the glove around all day as long as they catch it and it's and it's soft or it's yeah. a it's a firm catch. That's good. Yeah, you don't want you don't want the uh, the stab at it. You know, you don't want the you want to hear that pop every single time. Of course, I got that completely. Do you, uh, all right, so we have we just have like one or two more questions for you. And once again, you, you're, you, the fact that you're taking over 20 minutes out of your day to talk to us is is really appreciated. Um, so thanks for that, man. Um, do, you, I want to talk. You know, I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't at least bring up. I mean, you're you're sort of the OG baseball streamer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it, it's you yes, and then a bunch yes, of other. Yes, I am. You are. I know. I won't. I won't. I don't know if Blake Snell would be. Yes, happy I am. To Blake. Hear that? Yeah. I don't know if Blake would be. Two years longer than Blake. He can. He can just wear it. Is what that, he can do. That's what I. I did some research and I noticed that. I hope Blake doesn't listen to this. Um. Do. But it also seems like you know, 
this offseason, Pete Alonso's like, hey, man, let's get the show. There's a video that went viral of Tatis hitting a tater in his first at bat playing the show or something like that. Are, are, is this consciousness rising solely because of coronavirus or do you is there more talk in the clubhouse of like, you know, this actually becoming a thing? Uh, there's more talk in the clubhouse. I've I've I have converted a lot of guys. Um, Tyler Clippard watches Rocket League all the time on Twitter. Wow. Uh, wow. Wow. He likes Rocket League. It's weird how much he watches it, though. My teacher always <laughs> watches um, D- D- Duffy watches a lot of Twitch now, but that's kind of me. I've turned him on to a lot of my my buddies, so he mm-hmm. watches a lot of my friends play. Um, Latell now watches a bunch of Twitch. Sergio Roma's a huge gamer, has been for a long time. So sure. he's watching a lot more Twitch now. He's actually linked up with a couple guys who play Destiny, and he plays with a bunch of streamers now. But again... CJ Crone plays a ton, tons of games, and but he really doesn't ever want to be on camera or mic ever. He hates really? He, oh, he oh he hates giving interviews and stuff. He hates it. So, oh, man. Uh, uh, but he does love video games. So like they're they'll pop in, but like CJ would never say anything. Latell will say something every once in a while. Sergio's always pretty active in chat. Um, but they I think they're realizing they're like it's a lot of like you have to have a certain personality. You got to be okay sure. with like entertaining people, and you kind of have to like be a di- little bit of a different person you can't just i still swear a lot i need to mm-hmm. stop but swearing as much as i do but like some guys like only swear like that's all the words they use they use four right. words and they're all swear words um and so like you have to you you have to like be conscious of that i've just been around long enough to where i think i've earned the ability to swear and people know that what kind of person i am already with my viewers so like they know that i'm not like i don't just do it to do it i, I do it to try to be funny mm-hmm. uh and so um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely become more more prevalent. But yeah, coronavirus. Everyone going home, obviously. Sure. All all these guys are like, how can I create more content around my my brand? And then number one thing is streaming. So I I just see a bunch of I've seen a lot of a- athletes on uh, with streams up. A lot of basketball players. Uh, it's just so funny to me that like like ESPN did a thing where they're like, uh, yeah, all these guys are going to stream, and it was like Dem Booker, mm. Mitchell. Um, uh, Myers Leonard, mm-hmm. like, and they're all—they've all been stream. I've seen them stream before, and then, and then it's like, and then Trevor Mays, and they didn't even know my real name. Like, they Trevor Mays, no, no. Yeah. and like, I was the last like, one. Like, yo, come on, yeah, Trevor that stinks, Mays. man. I'm like, sorry, like your Willie's long lost son, Trevor Mays. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> it showed like a old, like a picture from 2015 of me pitching. Couldn't even put a clip up of me playing ba- baseball, and it was just a 15. That's ridiculous. Yeah, so and it was like a like a like a deagle shot from the first day of Warzone where I just one deagled somebody and I, I laughed and that was it. Like I have so many amazing like Fortnite clips of me just destroying like eight yeah. guys, bro. but like we couldn't go look like one. Just go go in a little bit and look I, for I, something. Yeah. There's yeah. four years of stuff. I'm I like I'm out here just like hey yo anyone needs to learn about like what you need to stream and everyone's like. Hey, like, what kind of keyboard do you, I'm like? You don't need a nice keyboard. That's not <laughs> yeah, part of. Oh you, man, that's you just wild. need this program called OBS. I can tell OBS. you all the settings and the PC, and I know a guy who can build you a PC. Like CJ Crone had a guy, uh, had my guy build his PC. Uh, Sergio Romo had my guy build his PC. Uh, uh, Mitch Garver had our clubby build his PC, but I helped him pick all the parts out. I built like four of my own PCs. I love. I'm that. like, I, I'm trying to be the guy that all the other athletes go to to like learn how to. How to do it? No, um, that's sick though. Some yeah, guys great. go to athletes for like, yo, what like car do you get? And you're like, yo, I got your PC all hooked yeah. up, man. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, yeah, just really one last question. I mean, one, 
slightly before it, did you realize that your worst career month is May? It just seems so wrong to me. Yeah. It's, I don't know (laughs) what it is. I just had to ask if you knew that. I have a, um, I have the, I'm under the impression that a lot of my numbers are very inflated for different reasons. For example, I pitched like two May months of May in my career. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and one was really, really bad. The one in 2016 was really bad. Oh, and, man. I was, and I was a starter for the other one. So, like, yeah. how am I supposed to get the numbers down <laughs> if I throw, you know what I mean? I had an eight yep. ERA, I gave up 40 runs and 44 innings my rookie year. I've been digging myself out of that hole since. And I only throw 65 innings a year now. I've only had one one full year as a reliever. So, like, how am I supposed to lower the – everyone's like, you have a four-and-a-half career. I'm like, yeah, but what has it been since 2014? No, yeah, well, right. That's what matters. Um, yeah. I just I just feel that – I don't know. You either It either needs to be your best month or your worst month. Um, so I'm glad at least it's one of those. What is my uh, best one? August? Uh, your best one is July or maybe even March, April, actually. Um, really? That's your lowest woe, but it was 285. But oh, really? It, yeah, at 45 innings, 360 ERA. Uh, 48 wow. strikeouts, but uh, but really the real last question. This is something we often ask, and we're always really curious about, um, especially as a foreign pitcher. I know this myself. Um, is there one specific pitch sequence or one pitch really that just sticks out? It could be from little league, your high school, in your career. Is there something that really just uh, is just always there? Oh, there's a lot. Pitch sequence, like just a hitter. Yeah. Um. It's going to be for the major leagues just because that stuff's so so recent. I mean, mm-hmm. I had um, I had in the bat. There was a couple last year. I think they would come from last year. There was one against Freddie Freeman. Um, it was like a I got a fastball up by him, and it, like he just doesn't he doesn't miss that. He fouls it off a lot and hits it hard, but he doesn't miss. He, the pitch I threw him, he doesn't miss much, and he doesn't chase. And I I got him got him on that. That was that was good. I think that probably the the one of the more exciting series of pitches I threw was in an inning against the A's last year. There was guys on second, third, and no outs, and we were up by two, and it was like the seventh inning. So I was like, I got to strike guys out. So I got, mm-hmm. I threw, um, I got who was it, Olson, to strike out on a heater up. Um, but I threw him a changeup that he almost wrapped around the pole the pitch before. So it was like, oh, God, this almost blew up. <laughs> 98 up and away. I got that by him. And then Canna came up and 3-2 or 2-2. I threw up a heater 98 up and away. And he got, he got him swinging. He's a guy who doesn't miss fastballs very much either. He, breaking balls are usually better to him. So striking him, him out on a breaking ball is good. And then I threw Luriano three, three breaking balls down and away in a row. And he swung at all three of them. Or he took the first one, swung at the next two. And I... There was a pitch in there. There was a pass ball that scored the guy for uh, from third. So we Fun still space. had a one-run lead. So there yeah. was a pass ball in there, but I struck out the side, and then we got out of the inning. And I remember being just like, let's go. But then I thought I was done, and I wasn't. And I had to go back out, and I just ran out of gas. And then yes. we ended up walking off that game against Liam, which huh. is like, yeah, that that actually homestand. That homestand was the A's and the Yankees. And now you remember the Yankees series at the Twins place, but there was like twelve to eleven every game, and four blown saves. So uh, that whole series was like, like the most elite relievers in the big leagues all blew their blew their saves in in, in Target Field. I think I I had a blown save. Uh, Rogers had a blown save. Uh, um, 
uh, got Ryan or De- Zach Littell hadn't given up a run in a month, and he had a blown save, and uh, um, and then Zach J- Zach Britton gave had a blown save, and wow. uh, and uh, Raldis had a blown save, all in like that week. So, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Contagious. That <laughs> yeah, the, those are bats. I'm assuming that's from July 21st. For anyone that's yeah. interested in listening. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll go game. make some gifts of that stuff too. Yeah, right. Well, awesome. we'll it, maybe we'll add it to the PL Plus Classic Game of the Day. How about that? Yeah, well, that just seems like a super fun one to watch. That'll be fun. Um, yeah, yeah, do the make sure that you do the Yankee. Oh, uh, it's not from a pitching standpoint. That Yankees game where where uh, Hicks like caught the ball that Kepler hit in the, yes. in the gap. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that yeah, would have real. That was the best game I've ever seen. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was we've crazy. been streaming a different game each night just because we're, that's how we're passing the time with the guys at PL Plus, and so maybe we'll do that one because you're right, that game is insane. Uh, yeah, I remember the uh, what is it that that song with like the shooting star one that they made off of uh, Aaron Hicks? It's you'll understand a lot of you guys listening. I hope <laughs> everyone's like, what the hell? Is <laughs> they play that music where he goes off into the universe and everything uh, like dude, that. Dude, dude, yeah, dude, that, see, dude, 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 exactly. Dude, yeah. We, we, we see, get each I other. Knew you knew it. Uh, all right. Fine. Well, we, we we shouldn't keep you any any longer. I, I really got to say, man, I know we keep thanking you, but like not just for coming on, but you're such a fantastic ambassador for the sport. I mean, we've been fortunate enough, Nick and I, to talk to you in DMs and you're you're one of the good ones. And anyone who's listening who's a Twins fan I'm, should be happy to know that offline you're you're awesome and online you're even better. So thanks for all you do, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. I appreciate that as well. That was kind words and. You know, you don't often get kind words like that, so I appreciate it. Yeah, sure. yeah, of course, man. All right, we'll let you go. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you later, bud. Thanks, guys.